0: Created woman for the sole purpose of tempting and testing man. One must not approach her without defensive precautions and fear of possible snares. She was indeed just like a snare, with her lips open and her arms stretched out to man. He had no indulgence except for nuns, whom their vows had rendered inoffensive, but he was stern with them nevertheless, because he felt at the bottom of their fettered and humble hearts The everlasting tenderness was burning brightly, that tenderness which was shown even to him, a priest. He felt this cursed tenderness even in their docility, in the low tones of their voices when speaking to him, in their lowered eyes, and in their resigned tears when he reproved them roughly. And he would shake his cassock on leaving the convent doors and walk off, lengthening his stride as though flying from danger. He had a niece who lived with her mother in a little house near him. He was bent on making her a sister of charity. She was a pretty brainless madcap, and when the Abbe preached, she laughed, and when he was angry with her, she would give him a hug, drawing him to her heart while he sought unconsciously to release himself from this embrace which nevertheless filled him with a sweet pleasure, giving him the sensation of paternity which slumbers in every man. Often when walking by her side along the country road, he would speak to her of God, of his God. She never listened to him, but looked about her at the sky, the grass and flowers, and one could see the joy of life sparkling in her eyes. Sometimes she would dart forward to catch some flying creature, crying out as she brought it back, "'Look, Uncle, how pretty it is! I want to hug it!' And this desire to hug flies or lilac blossoms disquieted, angered and roused the priest— who saw even in this the ineradicable tenderness that is always budding in women's hearts. Then there came a day when the sexton's wife, who kept house for the Abbe Marignon, told him, with caution, that his niece had a lover. Almost suffocated by the fearful emotion this news roused in him, he stood there, his face covered with soap, for he was in the act of shaving. When he had sufficiently recovered to think and speak, he cried, It is not true, you lie, Melanie. But the peasant woman put her hand on her heart, saying, May our Lord judge me if I lie, Monsieur le Cure. I tell you she goes there every night when your sister's gone to bed. They meet by the riverside. You've only to go there and see between ten o'clock and midnight. He ceased scraping his chin and began to walk up and down impetuously, as he always did when he was deep in thought. When he began shaving again, he cut himself three times. All day long he was silent, full of anger and indignation. To his priestly hatred of this invincible love was added the exasperation of a spiritual father, of a guardian and pastor, deceived and tricked by a child, and the selfish emotion shown by parents when their daughter announces that she's chosen a husband without them and in spite of them. After dinner, he tried to read a little but could not, growing more and more angry. When ten o'clock struck, he seized a formidable oak stick, which he was accustomed to carry on his nocturnal walks when visiting the sick, and he smiled at the enormous club, which he twirled in a threatening manner in his strong country fist. Then he raised it suddenly, and clenching his teeth, brought it down on a chair, the broken back of which fell over on the floor. He opened the door to go out, but stopped on the threshold, surprised by the splendid moonlight of such brilliance as is seldom seen. And as he was gifted with an emotional nature, one such as had poetic dreamers, the fathers of the church, he thought suddenly...